Welcome to the Take Podcast, where we seek the news that isn't considered popular or relevant enough in today's media landscape, and some things that are. World news and topics from all continents, yes, even Antarctica, ranging from environmental, culture, politics, history, and economics. With that being said, enjoy, and please feel free to reach out and keep this an interactive experience. Welcome back to the Take Podcast with your host, Sean D. James. And today, my co-host is my lovely wife, Ariana. Hello, everyone. Glad to be here, babe. Glad to have you here with me today. So like I said before in the previous post, I'll be flying solo. From time to time, we'll have a guest stop in, do a little co-hosting with me. And hopefully in the future, when everything's good with uh, Prince Akeem, we'll have him back on air with us. Shout out to Prince. Now, we're going to jump straight into this with an article I found over on Japan Today. Japan-born American. Currently living in the southwestern city of Fukuoka, 75-year-old Yuri Kondo has filed a lawsuit against a Japanese court on the grounds of her loss of Japanese citizenship being unconstitutional. You know, I'm going to say now, being here in America, we have a lot of things that people protest in the streets, on social media, even in their workplace. They try to be subtle about it, but you know you got a couple people that do it. And they will say things that are unconstitutional, the, the amendments didn't say this. The Bill of Rights don't say it. They will throw everything at you if not try to throw religion to it. Just, just to try to give them a little more validity to, to their argument, which technically should just be a debate. But to hear somebody say, I lost my citizenship? Wow. Especially at 75. Like, she's 75 years old, born in Japan, and then she loses her citizenship. So I'm I'm curious to know how all of this happened. Well, that <laughs> and that that was the thing that got me when I first saw the article. I said, when it said she was 75, instantly I went, what? Are they trying to ban old people from the country now? Like, your country has the highest rate of diaper sales to elderly. Japan sells more adult diapers than baby diapers. <laughs> so to hear that, I'm like, are they, is this is some way they're trying to viralize the population here. And I was like, okay, well, let me go deeper into this. So apparently she moved to the U.S. in 1971 to attend school and later practicing law in Arizona in 1997. I'm like, okay, 71 to 97, you was in America. Okay, you're pushing 30 years being over here. I, I can, I'm, I'm starting to see how you potentially lost your citizenship. But it said she later acquired her U.S. citizenship in 2004. Only to find out in 2017 that her Japanese passport was ineligible for renewal due to her new citizenship in the United States. So you didn't try to renew your passport until 2017. Um. Well, does everyone have different rules around passport renewals? Like for the U.S., is every ten years. Honestly, I I didn't even. I at that point I was stumped. I didn't. Even, I have. I didn't look that up and see. I've really got to look into that one because I I didn't even know passports had to be renewed. I thought once you had a passport, you was good to go. So when when it the renewal, I was just like, she had to renew it. I'm like, did she just forget to do it? And she's like, oh, well, I'm a Japanese citizen, so I I should be good to go. But when they hit her with, hey, you're a US citizen now. You're just your your legal status of being a part of this country is revoked by 
I'm like, really? Like, she's born there. She she was born in Kamakura in a Kanagawa prefect. Like, she she was born there. Come on. What, what, what's your thoughts on that? I'm just wondering if there's, like, a difference in the citizenship process when you're going for your citizenship and you come from another country, is there a checkbox that says dual citizenship or like you're going to be solely American now? Because it's very concerning that, you know, most people come to America, you know, for a lot of the opportunities that America offers. However, you always want to go back home at some point. Well, most people, I won't speak for everyone, but in this situation, she wanted to go back home or yeah, she wanted to go back home if she was renewing her Japanese um, passport or yeah, her Japan passport. And they said no. Yeah. So like you just said, the U.S. is every 10 years. It's every five years if you're under the age of 20. If you're 21 and over, it's every 10 years. So if you became a U.S. citizen in 2004, but you waited until 2017 to renew your Japanese passport, I'm going to take it she renewed it in 2017. In 2007. I'm going to take it in 2007 she renewed it. They just didn't pay attention. I mean, that's it, that could have been the case. And then 17 came around. They were just like, hold up. Did we allow that to go through? I think we did. God damn it. Okay, well, we're denying that now. So my question at that point becomes, well, how, how does she feel as though she can sue the Japanese courts and saying, hey, this is, this is unconstitutional? On, on what grounds? Well, on what grounds you say? The grounds of she is claiming that Article 11 of national law violates the right to pursue happiness and equality as guaranteed by the Constitution. Your Constitution guarantees happiness and equality. <laughs> and I... <sighs> The equality part, I understand to say I'm a Japanese citizen. I'm equal as everybody else born here. I can understand that the equality part right there. If she tries to use that as the as the the reasoning for that part of Article Eleven going against the Constitution. Now, when she says happiness, that one just goes wow. So your happiness was getting an education in America, studying law abroad which was in america and building a life for yourself in america and then coming back to japan and saying well now i'd rather live out the rest of my life here in my home country it's like you uh, you make a good point because who decides your happiness right so for her argument to say that it's unconstitutional it is, if that's written in your constitution, because if she's saying that this is what makes me happy, and technically she was born here, this it is unconstitutional. <laughs> yeah. And this is this is why I feel it comes down to a lot of situations where people come with lawsuits against against other individuals, companies, or go against governments or the, the, the establishments in general. And it's like, do you truly know what the law is? And not just your country, but in your state, province, your local law. Like, do you know that stuff? Because that, that makes the biggest difference when you think you're going to sue somebody in a, let's say, a law slash government capacity. And, but it turns out, well, you're, you're trying to sue them, but because of local law, it actually doesn't matter. 
well, I'm taking the state. <sighs> See, you think you're going to take it to state, but state actually turns around and backs us at the local level. Yeah. So good luck with that. <laughs> it, you know, it's, it's one of those things for me, but the twist in the, in her situation is that it turns out that in January of 2021, eight men and women had filed a similar suit, <laughs> but it was rejected by the Tokyo District Court. The plaintiffs have appealed. Nothing has happened since. Oh, so they just don't care. They're just like, you wanted to leave, stay out, don't come back. And if we do come back, you could come back for vacation, but this is no longer your home. Exactly. And that's what she's basically doing. She's just there. And it's just like, well, you're, you're still not a citizen. You're just a person who's here on vacation, basically. Yeah, this will this will be this will definitely be an interesting story as it develops to kind of see how far she gets with it along with the other eight individuals. But you're born in a country, you leave that country to pursue other things. You want to go back, and then they will not let you back. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. And it, it comes down to where it's like that's when you have people go well. When people go abroad from certain countries, like, well, I, I'm getting a work visa. Mm -hmm. But she didn't go for work. She left and went as a child to attend school. And then you later went into law to study. So you went to college, university. So to turn around and then say, well, I'm coming back after all these years. It's like you went to America in 71. It's 2017. And you're just like, hey, what's up? I'm coming back. <laughs> no, you're not. You're kidding. <laughs> like, you've been going how many decades? Like, I mean, maybe maybe she's been visiting, you know, from time to time. And that's what was keeping her relevant enough. But I, I get where they're coming from as far as, hey, you became a citizen somewhere else. You made that decision. I, I feel like it's really one of the situations where it's going to really come down to how bad people really want to start enforcing constitutional statutes on things. That's what that's going to come down to. Probably. But we know each country does whatever they want to do um, with that information. But it, it seems like they're pretty hell-bent on keeping her citizenship revoked. Mm-hmm. Especially if, like, there's eight other known cases and they've all been dismissed. Like, you're not getting your citizenship back. Mm-hmm. I mean, I... And it's funny because I look at it as... Like, I, so I watch... I watch Japanese wrestling. For me, the WWE product was... Some of the things I'm just like, I can't, I can't watch WWE. But I'll watch New Japan. And you got a couple wrestlers from like uh, Britain and Canada who actually got citizenship for Japan. So it's like, hey, you're a Jap you consider a Japanese citizen. They made you revoke your, did they make you revoke your citizenship somewhere else? Or is it a one way thing where if you leave Japan, hey, you ain't Japanese no more. You're not a citizen of our country. But if you want to come here on a work visa and then you want to actually apply to be a citizen, Hey, let's make that work. Not to mention, you got to look at it. This was still during a pandemic. This is the pandemic era. Oh, true. So for them, I mean, they they didn't even want to let people back in the country. They didn't start letting people, like, as far as athletes for sports come in until the past, I want to say the past two months. Some people have actually had access to truly start coming back in the country. And that's only on special work permit visas via the company you're with. They're still talking about, well, we might start letting tourists in. But what we're going to do with that is, hey, you're going to come in, stay at this designated hotel, and you'll be a part of this tour group. 
You're not coming to the country and go wander around like you want. I'm like, well, I won't be going to Japan for another year or two. <laughs> yeah. I feel like if you're a first time visitor, like that may be fine because you don't know squat diddly doodah about Japan, but you can't keep going back getting on the same tour. <laughs> Somebody I'm like, yo, there has to be an American there or a British person. Look, this, this we both speak English. It may have the accent. That's the only difference here. Look, just wear this outfit, and then when they turn it back, you jump in, I jump out, and I'll see you in a couple hours. All right, cool. Thank you. Here's the money. <laughs> uh, yeah, cra- crazy story right there. So I had to ask, what are your thoughts on this matter of nationality? Let us know. From fresh starts to developing business in a new land, to setting future generations up for success. These are the things to think about when a topic of dual citizenship comes up. With that being said, what are your thoughts on dual citizenship, Ari? I mean, for myself, I don't know the specifics of dual citizenship, but I am aware that you can be a citizen of America and a citizen of another country and like Brazil or something like that. Um, Yeah, so I'm looking forward to getting to know more about what that process entails. Okay. Something I, um, I found interesting was when doing the research, a woman by the name of Alice Kessler Harris a professor at Columbia University and a former president of the Organization of American Historians, and a gentleman by the name of T.H. Marshall, who was a sociologist, both theorized that one's identity and privileges as a citizen are linked to both your economic standing and participation in society. I have to say, I felt that was so accurate no matter the time period. Because you'll have people today who will go, well, they don't have the money and this is why they act with that in life. All oh, the wealthy and the rich do this and that, they get with this. Oh, well, if you have money, you know, people won't be dealing with these court cases, they'll get out of these, these charges. And I go, wow, this, this really stands no matter what. But then this is where I understand how people go, Dual citizenship is where it's at. It goes into the country. Also, depending on where you're coming from, us coming from America, going to somewhere like, you know, a part of Africa, like something like Kenya, our money's going to stretch mighty fine. We go to Gambia, our money's going to be fine. We go to South America, anywhere, we're like, it's a fresh start. Let's go to Colombia. What was that last thing you said, though? Economic participation? Oh, uh, your economic standing and your participation in the society. So then is that saying, like, you can't just have dual citizenship just because you want it? So let's say myself born in America, um, I wanted to get dual citizenship uh, of Canada. Would I like have to actively be like a Canadian? Like I have to spend time in Canada. I have to um, bring something to that country, like a business or um, something to Canada. Like, well, when it comes to Canada, they have something that's called residence by investment programs or RBIs. Now, the U.S. also follows something similar to that, but also have what they call CBIs, which is uh, Citizenship by Investment. Now, with Canada, for them, when it comes to the residency, they are basically saying, 
hey, you can become a citizen. It's going to be a while before, you know, you're qualified as a citizen because some countries have a three to five year residency rate where it's like, hey, look, you have to be here either consecutively the entire time or, you know, maybe out of three years, you got to be here for one year. Out of five years, you got to be here for three years. It all varies depending on the country. Now, the thing that got me is when I heard CBIs, I was like, you know what? That sounds more up my alley. I would rather do a CBI than an RBI. Because if you're telling me all I have to do is put the cash and we can fast track the citizenship. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at that. If that if I can if I can avoid having to stay in the country, I'm I'm cool with that. Because I, I imagine you were in the middle of your RBI when a pandemic hit, mm-hmm. and now you're like, well, shit, I don't want to stay in this country <laughs> during this time. I want I want to go I want to go back home. Yeah. And now here it is. It's like, well, technically because of the lockdowns in certain countries you'd probably touch the whole process all over again. Because mm. Japan would, I doubt Japan would have gave you that leeway. Do you think China would have gave that leeway? Nah. Like certain countries was not playing. They was not given that leeway. I mean, Austria for one was just like, what was that? I believe Austria had majority of their population double vaxxed and boosted and was still like, Nah. No, we need 100%. We want everybody to have it. And that's it. It's like, you know what? That's becoming mandatory. And it's like, well, imagine turn around and just tell you, well, you was out of the country during that time period. As a result, we don't even want to let you back in the country because we're trying to control our COVID. Like, well, I'm in the middle of that program, though. Like, well, well, we'll talk to you later and see if we can work it out with you. And the truth is, they're like, I don't give a damn about that person. That's one foreigner trying to come in. They can start over. I don't care. Those type of things you gotta look at. So my things like when CBIs, like they're, they're meant to have an economic contribution, and just just be an investment into the country seeking to you t- trying to call home. That's what that's what it overall is. You're investing to the country that you're gonna call home soon. A or, financial investment. Exactly. Now, what are you gonna call it? Home as your primary, or your home away from home. In the end, that's its purpose, to be a program where they're getting something from you to say, hey, look, you're trying to come to our country. We need to have some form of stability. You need to prove you can provide for yourself as well. Don't just say, hey, I got the money, show up, and it's like, all right, well, I laundered that money, got that drug money clean, got me a fresh start. (laughs) It's like, so now you're going to come here and live with our public assistance? Are you crazy? Hey, the pork is small. I get that. Now, that's, you know, that's when you have those type of things when it's like, when run properly, these programs create a legal and transparent offering of citizenship that keeps in line with the constitution of chosen country. So once again, constitutions. We going right back to, you know, Yuri's issue with Japan. Yeah. You have you have to look at these things. And I when it said the constitution, I was like, mm, this is why I when people come to America, they have you go through that entire process of knowing everything, reciting this, reciting that. Cause it's like, look, you're you're gonna be considered one of us. Yeah. You you're gonna be considered one of us. <laughs> I mean, when you have countries like Dominica. Where it's like, hey, we need a, it requires a minimum donation of a hundred thousand, an economic diversification fund. What? What they gonna do with that money? Like a hundred thousand? Look, 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 hey, it's government funded, okay? It says economic diversification or two hundred thousand into a government approved real estate project. I mean, if I have millions of dollars, or I'm a billionaire. And I want a passport, maybe I would do that. Or why not Portugal? I mean, a lot of people were moving to Portugal right 
when the pandemic was starting and even now when the whole crypto boom was going on mm -hmm. during the pandemic people was trying to go to portugal because they were the ones who weren't even taxing them damn they weren't certain certain things they was letting go and people was like well i'm going to portugal it's like portugal invented theirs during the last great recession because they wanted to bring people into the country to help boost economic purpose by 2016, the country had issued 2,788 golden visas. 80% <laughs> of those were Chinese nationals. So, that right there just tells you people got money. Yeah. They want a way to move and not be bothered. Some people just want to move. They're not criminal. They just want their privacy in life. They want certain freedoms that they might not have in a country they're in that they've experienced. And now they're like, wow, I like this. Hell, I mean, some people might be nostalgic and say, you know what? I'm going to hit over to St. Kitts and in, in, uh, what was that place in the Caribbean? Uh, St. Kitts and Nevis. That was the first country that actually offered dual citizenship in 1984. I mean, if you're trying to be, you know, nostalgic about it, why not go to the first country that have that offered it? What I mean, it's all about. It's not only about what you're bringing to that country. Like, it's about what that country could do for you, especially if you're making a financial contribution. It's a large financial contribution when you convert it from American dollars to. Um, that country's income or that country's the, 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 you know to convert I mean? to that currency is, is yeah that currency that's that that yeah. is once again that's why I said when your money goes far yeah so when you said that first one um, Dominica Dominica uh, Dominica Dominica I'm be honest hundred thousand dollars <laughs> that's what I'm like what are they gonna do with that is it like, I imagine it's a small island, right? And it's like yeah. I'm honest when I when I saw it, I said Dominica. I said why didn't they put the why are they not saying Dominican Republic? What is going on? And then I looked. I'm like, oh, DR is over here. I'm like, so what? What, what, what is it? Dominican Republic, Dominican Republic, and Dominica. It's like no, it's it's Dominica. It's a separate island in the West Indies. Like you go near Saint Lucia and all that stuff, and you keep going down those chains of islands i'm like oh so i can i mean would a country like that per se they have their primary source is agriculture but when you have all those tropical storms come through them hurricanes they constantly get devastated true and when agriculture is your primary source of gdp when you're an island nation yeah, I can I can understand why you would gladly let people come in and say, "Hey, they're a citizen of your country. That money is about to turn around and help us during those hurricane times to get the food and relief for people and rebuild." I mean, they technically are still living. The island still has, I believe, it's an active volcano under it, or like it, it's a part of an active volcano, so it's technically still being formed as it is now. Wow! So you gotta think. Imagine hurricane comes through. And during that time, a volcano go up at the same time. Damn. Now, now you're hit. You're like, well, we got to evacuate the people. We got the hurricane. So now everybody's bunkered down close. Well, we can't get close to the shore, but we can't be close to the volcano. Uh, we'll figure something out. <laughs> yeah, I'll be taking my citizenship elsewhere. You just painted a very ugly picture in my head. <laughs> yeah, i am be honest. That's what I went through my head the same thing, too. I was like, this this, this sounds like a, a damn movie. Not 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 gonna see in the movie theaters though. It's like one of those straight to DVD movies. You just find a blockbuster. You just be on Sci-Fi Channel <laughs> and just be like, God, these graphics are horrible. But if this happened for real, this be scary. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, like, let's take a let's take Cyprus for instance. People love seeing Cyprus. Like, I want to go over there. I want to go oh, all those those what is it, the whitewash uh, bungalows like retreats and stuff like that for a vacation. Everybody loves seeing that over there in Greece. They're like, oh, I want to go to Cyprus. An estimated 
100.6 million euros in revenue flowed into their country via their CBI. Wow. A hundred, like a hundred and six, let's take out the point six, the six hundred thousand dollars. Get rid of six hundred thousand. Let's acknowledge that a hundred million euros flowed into their country because they said, Hey, we'll give you citizenship. Uh, are, are we really going to sit here and say no when we can't we pull that kind of money in? I guess not. I mean, Greece is very beautiful. Is this recent, like, pandemic numbers, or? This I, this was the pre. Okay, pre-pandemic. But, but you got to factor in the fact that during a pandemic, countries were also suffering. Mm-hmm. So if you have a country that says, hey, you don't have to turn around and stay here, and you can literally just buy your way in, I mean, honestly, that's, that's what it really is, would you turn that down? I mean, I would expect numbers to go even higher. The 100 million euros is 105 million. Like the the, the euros, the euro to the British pound to the US dollar, the gap really doesn't be that big. Mm -hmm. Is the gap be maybe a, depending on what it is. Just $5 million. (laughs) Five to 20 million, depending on what what it is. It's not that that big of a gap. It's just, you know, 5 million. Once again, tax brackets move differently. What is that? So, is Greece currency in pounds? European pounds? No, no. Pounds will be uh, the UK, like England, like them over there. Like Mm -hmm. they move their pounds. Euros will be the rest of Europe. We do Europe. Okay. Yeah. This is why, like, when you see me watching soccer, I'm playing a game, and it's like the the currencies be different. Mm-hmm. Because they literally getting players from different countries, so that the currency will go from euros, but I transition to dollars to show difference. Mm-hmm. So I can have a better understanding. Like, look, at the end of the day, I'm from the US, I go dollar. If I do pounds, I'm literally just going like I'm about to buy a jersey. So let me just convert that to the US dollar to see how much I'm spending right here. <laughs> um you know, it's like when looking at the small estates, as such in the Caribbean, you tend to see how the economic impact has an effect. But us looking at the GDP growth rates over time, I mean, when people say, "Well, is it really helping the countries? Are they are they really getting this money? Like, how is it? Is it really causing any type of impact realistically, or are you just this is some some scam program?" But once again. If you look at the GDPs, I mean, you you see you see the growth is there. The GDP, or for those who don't know, the term gross domestic product, usually ranges from five point one to fourteen percent increase. Wow. So if I'm coming in, and you tell me the minimum is one hundred and fifty thousand, what else goes along with that though? Does that mean I also have to provide jobs to locals? Do I have to have a business set up? Do I need to buy real estate? How are we how are we going about this? That's the thing that needs to be truly addressed in that situation. Because that's what's going to make the real difference there. Absolutely. That's why I was asking in the very beginning. Like, if I'm spending this money, I'm making a contribution, a financial contribution. Mm-hmm. How is it? benefiting this country where is that money going to specifically because you can go i can be an asset to your country you know i could come in i could work i could build a business i could do real estate but whatever but if you're asking me for money up front Mm -hmm. to do what with it like why do you want this money up front now i i can agree with like if there is some type of application process and you want to know what type of businesses I have you want to know like what type of citizen I will be in your country um but just like a whole financial contribution that's like and I have no idea like where it's going to I gotta buy into your country with nothing to show like what's gonna happen to it 
um, yeah, it leaves a lot to be desired. I have to say that's that's when we enter the the territory of the possible advantages versus the disadvantages. Now, when it comes to advantages, for me, I I believe it comes down to the, the, the core five. Mobility, security, financial planning, education, and better quality of life. The five things you should consider when looking at the advantages of owning two or more passports for your new citizenship opportunities. And when it comes to CBIs, that's when you're getting a new passport. That's when they consider golden passports. But if you're just doing a residency versus the you know, you're doing an RBI to be like, a, just like you're going to stay there for a while. Well, then that's when they consider those golden visas. Mm, okay. Unless, you know, unless you do the, a country offers a hybrid where they have both. Well, then, then we're talking something different there. Once again, personally, I, I lean toward the CBIs. I'd rather just put that money out unless, depending on what company you're going through, mm-hmm. that's going to help you set and do that transition up unless you're going straight to the government itself like to an embassy to get an understanding of like, like Ari said, where's the money going? You want to have a breakdown. If they have, a, a, here's a structure plan of how the money goes. We distribute amongst the communities and this government funded program, this educational, this, this, this and that. Okay, cool. Then, then let's, let's talk. For some people that maybe that moral isn't there. The ethics aren't there, but teach his own. Um, for me, it has to be about security and financial planning, though. That stands out as the most that when weighing my options. I mean, education is like, hey, that's, that to me is, that's we got kids. Mm-hmm. But if you do the financial planning and security, I'm already going to end up with a better quality of life, which is going to equal my mobility. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I mean, that's something to look at. Another thing to look at is the tax breaks you can receive for your personal or even business accounts. To the what's that like? To the piece of fresh air, the fresh air in life, like this, you breathe different. You gonna walk different when you have something like that set up. No sense of worries because your lifestyle is technically the equivalent of the lifestyle you are living when you left your previous country. The difference is how you was living, let's say, below your means is now technically living extravagantly in another country. I can see that. I mean, you have you have times of what? When guys turn around and be like, oh, we're going to DR. We gotta go, we gotta go party. Like, you're going to DR to party. I don't get like, oh, no, nah, bro, that money go. That money stretch when we down there. That dude, we be just wilding. You go to the resorts. Not in Punta Cana. They take American dollars. <laughs> and it don't stretch. <laughs> Once again, tourist resort. As a resort, all-inclusive. That's a difference. That's true. That's it. We them all-inclusives. It's a, it's a different story. It's like, nah, we we go we go with the strongest strength of currency here. With that US dollar, like we're gonna we're gonna charge on US dollar. Trust and believe. We breaking that shit down back to our peso. We going back to our currency here. <laughs> I mean, for those who are, let's say, you're still working, you plan on retiring and using that SSI check. Are you really gonna live comfortably in the US off an of SSI check? At our current rates, when they have people complain about inflation is so high, the elderly are have to choose between do I buy a half a gallon of milk, not even a full gallon, half a gallon of milk and the bread, or do I say no to the milk and get bread and get maybe some eggs or tuna? Wow. Things to think about as advantages. On the other hand, yeah, on the other hand, you do need to consider what if a government decides to change its policies or the cost of a CBI while you're in the middle of the paperwork process itself. Mm. Imagine that. Imagine, you know, you're right there in the middle of the process, everything's going through, and then they go, hey, uh, 
regime change. Yeah, where we're change the price has actually increased. So instead of being at hundred, it's uh four fifty now. Just what? Yeah, the cost of, of of new leadership, you know. Hey man, you wanna come here or what? What you wanna do? Oh, that money you gave up in the beginning though, not refundable. Like, excuse me? What, 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 what? Hold up, it was refundable. Yeah, that's before the policy changes. The policy change that we put into play now <laughs> actually creates everything else that's null and void and had to be adapted into this new setup. Things to think about. Playing Russian roulette with your wallet. Ouch. Hey, I mean, what if another country no longer wishes to acknowledge my new citizenship or I lose my golden passport status due to sanctions? What do you mean? So, let's say I get a citizenship with Argentina. Mm-hmm. And Uruguay says, yeah, we don't acknowledge them. We don't we don't mess with Argentina no more. So uh we you best get out of our country right now. Okay. Hey, we, we are now beefing with Argentina and Argentina's on their own right now. So since we have sanctions, any citizen that's a part of that country needs to get out of our country right now. I'm chilling in Peru, and we're gonna take a trip to Brazil. Say, so, hey, we're gonna cut through the country through, through South America. Well, Bolivia and Paraguay was like, "Hey, nah, Peru did some bullshit. Sanctions. You can't even come through our country with that passport." Damn, I don't have my U.S. passport with me. I only have my per- Peruvian one. Oh no. <laughs> See, then it's like, well. You better take your fake Peruvian ass back to Peru and find a way <laughs> back to America and get that passport if you're trying to do across, trying to come across. Yeah, no, fuck that. And even then, just because you had a Peruvian passport before, we're not gonna let you come. We're not even gonna let you come to. We, we think you might be a threat. That might be a fake American passport. Hey, take this passport, and rip it up. Screw them Americans. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> The thought, <laughs> the thought of losing that just, just gets you, don't it? Yeah, it's like somebody like, like, like I, that just made me feel very like stuck. Like, and I don't even have a dual citizenship yet, but that just you would be stuck and asked out. Yeah, <laughs> you would have to find some some embassy, whichever one will accept you at this point, mm-hmm. and like hope for the best. Yeah. I mean, don't don't forget to ask the questions of what is the average waiting or processing time for the application? Is residency required? And do I have to pledge an oath of allegiance? Now I got pledge of allegiance to the flag. Yeah. And I swear, when I saw say pledge an oath of allegiance, instantly my head went back to first grade going, and I pledge allegiance to the flag. A United States of America, and to I was like, "Oh my God, that just came out of nowhere!" Whoa, <laughs> I think it just—it came out of nowhere. But when it said "Oath of Allegiance," I was like, "What does that mean?" Like, oh, so you mean if I'm a part of this country and you have conscription, and it's like, "Hey, military service is a mandatory thing," like in Israel or South Korea, where every yeah. citizen is mandatory two years in the military. <laughs> Unless of certain circumstances, you know, you're going to have to serve. If you take a job in a government position of anything, the U.S. will tell you straight up, you're no longer a U.S. citizen. You got you to renounce that, bro. You got to renounce ASAP. You cannot do that. The same thing with micronations. There was a guy who says, I own part of um, Antarctica. This part of Antarctica is now known as he tried to have stuff as like West Antarctica, like West Antarctica, but he was a he's a part of the Navy, and they was like, "Bro, you cannot be doing that, and you in the Navy." Hmm. And he was like, "Well, this is what I want to do." Well, you're gonna have to turn around and resign from the Navy. So yeah, I was like, "Wow." With that being said. Micronations and conscription are two things I will be covering in the future. 
Just a FYI right there. Nice. Now, there are countries that no longer offer CBIs. Among them are Montenegro, Ireland, the Marshall Islands, Belize. Oh, man. How I would have loved to have a citizenship for there. The parties, the nighttime life for us. Mm. Belize would have been, that would have been right. And sadly, one place I had hope would be, you know, on the accepted application list, Tonga. That was one island country I was just like, it is like a peaceful place to just have, just have a house with some little farmland. It was one of those random countries that'd be like, I would like to have in the islands. But places that, you know, might pique your interest, St. Lucia, Austria, which we talked about earlier, Samoa, Egypt, and Cape Verde. Nola, Samoa and Egypt are um, some tempting options right there, though. Why Samoa? Well, why Egypt? Really? You want you want, want Egypt? No. What the? Well, you? I don't know, but I just imagine. I don't know. Like Egypt is, it just doesn't sound like somewhere that. I would go through the efforts of becoming a dual citizen. Why Egypt? Samoa is on an island, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, like that's different, you know, beach life. Egypt, that's desert. Yeah, but it's just, I think for me, it was like it was the pyramids and stuff like that. It's like not just the, the, the visit and stuff, but it's, Egypt this would be an interesting one to have on the list. It just seemed yeah, interesting to have. I'll pass. Okay, well, with Samoa, <laughs> I do have to say, people, when I say Samoa, I literally mean the island of Samoa, not America Samoa. There's actually two. Don't do America Samoa. <laughs> no disrespect to the people there. It's just if you're trying to go to Samoa, go Samoa. Go go to the actual one, not the one that's Americanized. Um, that's, all, that's all I'm saying. Um, but you know, in the end, it really comes down to your personal situation. Your personal situation. This isn't financial advice. I'm not a tour guide or a, a, a advisor of some sort. This ain't nothing paid. I'm just. Like, this is your personal situation you have to account for here. If you have the money, look into CBIs. If you have the time and patience, you can do an RBI. You know, I mean, in countries like New Zealand, Morocco, Spain, Abkhazia. And it took me a while to pronounce that, honestly. I I, I was like, how the hell do you... When I saw the Z, instantly I, went, I thought it... Azerbaijan, oh my God, it's one, of these, it's one of these wild countries. He's like Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan. Instantly, when I saw the name, I was I was stuck for a minute. Like, how do I pronounce that? Google to YouTube is your friend when it comes to how to pronounce I agree. It, it really is. So, I'm going to run that back. New Zealand, Monaco, Spain, Abkhazia. And Singapore. Look, Singapore, if you're trying to go to Vegas overseas and live it up, hit Singapore. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we go hit Macau, you get some get some fun over them Asian countries. Oh, see, I already like it. Yeah, there you go. She's a fan of Vegas people. You know, and there's always a third option. Hybrid programs. Countries that have hybrid programs are going back to the island nation of Samoa and Bulgaria. Now the negative side. The actual negative side from a media standpoint. The controversies. Now it's easy to see how having 
such programs exist can create controversy. From money laundering scandals with banks in Malta and Latvia, you know, with the ongoing war between Russia and Ukraine. I had no idea about the sanctions and the effects that were, uh, you know, imposed on certain Russians, particularly the Russian oligarchs, until I heard about the issue that was going on with the Chelsea Football Club and their owner, Roman uh, Abramovich. When I heard what he was going through, then I realized, oh, so this is what happens with sanctions and when people have multiple citizenships and how they're trying to get at them. Yeah, when wars break out, you want to probably check the history on the country to see had they had a war during the time they was allowing dual citizenship? If so, what happened to people that had citizenship there? <laughs> like, were they forced? Like, hey, you a citizen? Now, you know, we acted in some warm time shit in our constitution that you didn't know about, and now you got to fight? Or it's like, oh, circumstances, hey, this only concern you, bro. You good. When the dust settles... Come on back. You got your property damage? You're covered by insurance here. Come on back. What's up? I doubt it. That sounds too good to be true. I know. But it once again, it depends on where you're going. I'm being honest. It also depends on where you're going. Um, it like for me, it, it was when I heard when I heard this on Hammer's chat on YouTube, a West Ham supporters channel. Let's go. Come on, you irons. That I became aware of the multiple citizenships that Roman Abramovich actually owned. One, he owns a Russian citizenship. He's born there. Okay, that makes sense. You're part, you're a Russian oligarch. You know, you want to Putin's guys. Okay, cool. Then he had acquired a second citizenship. Well, where did he acquire it? Oh, he acquired it in 2018 uh, in Israel. Well, correction, with Israel. Yeah, so apparently in 1950, Israeli law was passed stating that any Jew has the right to relocate to Israel as an immigrant. Okay, he's he's a Jewish Russian. The UK was denying his renewal for his perm for his uh, what was it the business with the visa? Because of a scandal that took place with a poisoning. And he said, well, screw it. He went straight to the Israeli embassy in Russia, got the paperwork, and got approved. You want to hear what's crazy about Israel? Ten years. Ten years, he doesn't pay taxes. <laughs> Nor do they ask the question of, where's your money come from? Oh. For ten years. And because of his age... He would be basically technically too old and you're considered an immigrant basically to even join up military. So you won't lose your Russian citizenship. Hmm. He played that very well. Absolutely. Very well. And his latest passport is from Portugal. My God, you're Russian and you're Jewish. I get the first two. How the hell do you get a Portuguese citizenship? Oh, simple. Due to him being a descendant of the, what was it, the Facetic Jews. Another word, it took me a minute to get correct, <laughs> as close as possible. But being a descendant of the people who were expelled from the Iberian Peninsula during the medieval Inquisition, he's entitled to having a passport there too. Yeah, my guy is pretty much... It's like, look, uh, sanctions came into place. The UK started hitting them with the sanctions. Hey, you can't have this business. We're taking this. We're taking that. This is why they say that most of these guys are on their yachts. They're chilling somewhere. Move from port to port. Because some countries are like, no, nah, you can't even dock here. Other ones are like, no, nah, we'll let you dock for a quick second to refuel and bounce. So they, they, it's like, look, is his mega yacht his most prized possession? No, it's his passports. Yeah. When the passports are allowing you to come into places, are you, are you going to be upset? I don't know. How the heck did he get three? Like, we were talking about dual citizenship. That means two. Yeah. Well, how, did he get, how did he get three? You can you can technically have more than two. Wow. There's people that have four to five. 
Wow. So, like, for instance, the U.S., 1.8 million in guaranteed job placement for 10 Americans, you get your green card. 1.8 million. So you just got to hire me and my boys and guarantee us a job and we're working good. You could show that we're working with, with you're paying the taxes and shit like that. You got a green card. You're a citizen of America now. Okay. Well, two million in the UK, and a, you know, a resident could turn around and get around a lot of obstacles as well. When these countries are talking about, oh, this is wrong, and these these Russians are moving this in that way, you gotta con- you gotta you gotta factor in. Well, what does your country allow? Mm-hmm. A lot of people like to point fingers, but it's like, let's be, let's be honest here. Seventy five percent of EU passports consist of Russian and Chinese individuals followed by the Middle East and North Africa, according to a EU parliament research. 75% is just the Russians and Chinese, followed by the Middle East and North Africa. Wow. Like, bruh, I I feel like when they say they want to they wanna shut it down in Europe because they just don't like the fact that it's happening, they feel it's a security risk, how how much of a risk is it really going to be? Like, not as a risk. How much are you really going to stop them from getting passports other places, though? You're not. Like, I, like while, while, I was, while I was researching this, I found it funny that you had new programs in countries like Jordan in 2018, Egypt in 2020, when they got theirs. That's one of the you know, that's one of the things that got me because that's like that's that's new opportunities for strong growth. Their country is like, hey, we got hit by the pandemic, and here it is, twenty twenty. We opened our shit up right when the pandemic hits. So now people are saying, well, we need passports. Africa is offering. I'm going there. Yeah. So that's one reason why. That's one of the things that got me too with Egypt because it's like, they would probably be desperate to say, hey, what you trying to get? What what you want to get? We'll sell you. We'll sell you what you want. What's up? <laughs> I mean, there was people on Twitter that was pissed. Some chick actually had bought the the rice to some land that a pyramid was on. So I was like, that was that was quite interesting right there in itself. Now, with a current inflation rate of eight point six million in America, places like Argentina. You know, who's looking at a possible 72.6 by the summer. Or Turkey with a 53.2. You can see why countries would fight to keep these type of programs alive. Uh, When I saw that inflation rate, I was a little confused because I was like, wait, what does this mean? Wait, what? And I, I literally had to read both of those twice and i just hit i hit the ron simmons voice i went damn are you serious i i know argentina has struggled for a a good while with their inflation you know but to have rates that high but what's the what is the inflation rate based off of what amount and what year because the u.s is basing the, the inflation rate based on the last recession, which everything we do today is higher than what we did 30, 40 years ago, whenever the last recession was. Um, yeah, like what are these What are these other countries basing it off of? Well, when it comes to Argentina, they have been in recession for decades, like they, they with the World Bank, like the central bank, they try to get the money to help balance the books, mm-hmm. and it's just never panning out with the presidents that come in place. Everything is just always downhill. So when it's like their inflation rate is not off of like how we go with the recession, it's no, this is our rate we're trying to bring down and then get raises back up and it's down. It has never truly gone back. They've just been struggling with it. Where yeah. Turkey, 
they are just they're just currently in a in a, a poor regime of leadership right now. That's that's the best I can say with that. Turkey is just they're just being ran poorly right now. So when it comes to their numbers, this is all just current. Just the current them raising their inflation. Not based, I wouldn't say it's based off of what their previous recession was. It's just their current numbers now of how, how their economics is going. And these are all like valid concerns when you're looking at, you know, becoming a citizen of these other countries and things of that nature. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this is good info, but those numbers just seem like really, like I am. I would really do more research just to see, like, how are they getting to these percentages? Like, what's the math behind it? Because that's a, these are very high percentages. Like, you as a citizen would not be able to survive in your own country. Which they, they are struggling. This is why butchers and farmers are just like, yo, we can't sell beef. Beef is just too high price, and people are just eating pork and chicken, and now transitioning to fish because mm-hmm. it's just such a cheaper source of meat and protein for them to buy. So it, it is things to look at, but it's also things that draw people into these countries because then they're buying multiple properties for such cheap prices and land and starting things. It, it all depends on your situation once again, but uh, we're going to leave it there. So, once again, thank you, Ari, for joining me here on this podcast. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to another episode of the Take Podcast. As always, stay safe, stay prosperous. Peace.